Welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Good morning. Welcome to Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church on this beautiful, dare I say, spring morning. I am Derek Starr Redwine, the interim pastor here at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. Special welcome to all visitors who are here with us today in the sanctuary or listening online or watching via our live stream or over the radio. We are a bit different because you are here, and for that we give God thanks and praise. It's hard to believe, but Holy Week is just around the corner. On Thursday, April 1st at 7 p.m. here in the sanctuary, we will be having a Monday Thursday service where together we will celebrate the Lord's Supper, the Last Supper, as we prepare for the events of Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All are invited. We do ask you register ahead of time for this service. And then on Sunday, April 4th, we will hold our Easter service at our normal, regular time. Now, since we anticipate more visitors in the coming weeks, especially on Easter Sunday, as we're one of the few churches open, we need to remain vigilant in our observance of our COVID-19 protocols that include mask wearing at all times, social distancing, no corporate singing, 
and no fellowship in the sanctuary after worship. We ask that folks will gather outside to, t to greet one another. We also want to encourage you, especially on Easter Sunday, as we anticipate a larger crowd, to register online prior to worship so our ushers who are working that day can focus on welcoming and greeting visitors who come to worship with us. You'll also notice in the bulletin, the session constantly reviews its COVID-19 protocols. They've made some updates, opening all the doors of the church, eliminating one-directional walkways, and opening up all the bathrooms for use. So you can review those protocols in the bulletin, and as session reviews and makes changes, they'll let you know in real time. Thank you again for your compliance and for your willingness to worship together during this time. Let us continue our worship of God this morning with an opening prayer. Please join me in prayer. God of our hearts, you yearn to be so close to us so we can know you in every breath, in every hope, in every relationship. God of grace, meet us here today and teach us to recognize the covenant of justice and peace and love that you have written on each of our hearts. Strengthen us with your presence in this hour of worship that our desires would become your desires, our work become your work, and our community a place where you are sought and you are found. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Please join me in the call to worship as printed in the bulletin. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant. It will not be like the old covenant, written on stone. This will be a new covenant. My laws will be within you, written on hearts. In the Lord's own words, I am your God, and you are my people. O oh God, in your love, imprint these words again on our hearts, so we would know you in all your fullness, love you as you love us, and worship you with our whole hearts. Please join with me in listening to hymn number 101 when I survey the wondrous cross. Once again, welcome to the live broadcast of a service for the worship of God, which is coming to you from the sanctuary of Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church at 1627 Monument Avenue in Richmond, Virginia. This is the 98th year of radio ministry at Grace Covenant. Today's date is March the 21st, 2021, and today's broadcast is number 4,982. This morning's sermon, entitled Letting Go, will be delivered by Reverend Derek Starr Redwine, our interim pastor. Assisting in the service today are Christopher Martin, our director of music and organist, Rusty Statler, our liturgist, Christine Anderson, violin soloist, and choristers Audrey Christensen, Stephanie Ald, Aaron Cook, Anthony Warren, and Dana McKnight. Our opening hymn is When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, verses 1, 3, and 4, which is number 101 in the Presbyterian hymnal.
the courage you need to let go, to let go of shame and guilt and fear and pride. The courage to let go of these things is not manufactured by us. It's a gift one receives in abundance when one knows that they are held, they are loved, they are claimed by their creator. In confession, we do more than just acknowledge our sin. We also profess to whom we belong in life and in death and in life beyond death. Trusting in this love that will not let us go, let us together confess our brokenness and our need for God's redeeming grace. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we confess that we love our lives as they are. We struggle with the idea of change and wrestle with the thought of doing things differently. But we know that the life we cling to is only a half-life. Only you, O Lord, can give us life in full. Forgive us for holding on to the wrong things. Teach us by your spirit to let go of our agendas and assumptions. Help us to let go of our self-righteousness and false notions of power. Give us the strength and courage to try new things. Encourage us to let go of all that keeps from you. We pray these things in the name of Christ Jesus. Amen. The one who makes a covenant on our hearts is faithful and forgives all of our sins and all of our failures. In Christ, God offers grace and welcome into a community of trust, abundance, and hope. By God's grace, we are forgiven. Let us give thanks for the endless mercy of God. Let us pray. Almighty God, you are the source of all light. You divinely separated light from darkness so that we may have the beauty of the light of day. Dear Lord, illuminate this day and enlighten us as we seek to know you through your word. May we be led by your light so our hearts may be opened to your wondrous grace and mercy.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our Old Testament reading this morning comes to us from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. In this reading, the prophet Jeremiah spoke to a time when God would write his law upon the hearts of men. Listen now to God's word for you and for me. The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant that they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. The word of our Lord.
Today's New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verses 20 through 33. Listen now for God's word to you and to me. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now, my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out, and I, when I am lifted up from earth will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he was to die. The word of the Lord. It is time. Word of his deeds of power are becoming so well known that God-fearing Greeks are now looking for Jesus. And this geographical expansion of his ministry seems to trigger something inside of Jesus, an awareness that his hour has come. Now is the time for him to be glorified. And how will this glorification take place? Will he ascend the throne? 
Will Jesus overthrow imperial Rome? Will he redeem the Jewish people and take his place as their new high priest? No. His glory will come through the most unlikely of paths, the path that leads to his death. Death, it seems, is a precondition for life. To gain our life, we have to lose it. To find what we are looking for, we have to let go of what we already have. To grab hold to what Jesus offers, we have to let go of everything else. As he said very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who lose their life, love their life, lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The time, his time, has arrived. And Jesus' response is to let go. What do you need to let go of to experience life everlasting here and now? What grain do you need to let fall into the ground and die so it will bear fruit? What might God be inviting you to release from your grasp so you can take hold of the abundant life Jesus offers to all? Mary, Mary had to let go of her anger, her rage towards O'Shea. It had been 12 years since Mary's first encounter with O'Shea. That first encounter had taken place in a court of law. When Mary first saw the teenager, O'Shea, who had killed her 16-year-old son, all she wanted to do in that moment was hurt him. But 12 years later, as she sat across from him, she realized O'Shea wasn't the same boy he had been that day. O'Shea was now a man. And she looked at the man who had killed her only son. Mary decided right then and there to let it all go. To let go of her anger and rage and just talk to O'Shea about her son. And so she talked and O'Shea listened. When it was time for Mary to go and for O'Shea to return to his cell, not surprisingly, Mary was overcome with emotion. And she started to cry. Not a little cry, but that all-encompassing wave after wave of grief. I'll let O'Shea and Mary tell you what happened next in their own words. What I'm about to share is a part of their conversation that was recorded as part of the StoryCorps project. They were both in that interview reflecting on that particular moment in prison when they had met for the second time. I'll begin with O'Shea's response to Mary's tears. He said, the initial thing to do when you started to cry was to just try and hold you up the best I could, just hug you like I would hug my own mother. And so that's what he did. The murderer hugged the woman whose grief he had caused. 
After you left the room, Mary said, I began to say to myself, I just hugged the man who murdered my son. I just hugged the man who murdered my son. And instantly I knew that all the anger and animosity, all the stuff I had in my heart for 12 years, I knew it was over. I had totally forgiven you. Sometimes O'Shea responds, I still don't now know how to take the forgiveness because I haven't totally forgiven myself yet. It's something that I'm learning from you. I won't say that I've learned it yet because it's still a process that I'm going through. The process of letting go. To experience life after her son's death, Mary had to let go of her anger, her rage at O'Shea for murdering her only son. And for O'Shea to experience the life, to experience life after the death that he caused, he had to let go of the shame and the unworthiness that overwhelmed him each and every day. To move forward, they both had to let go of something, shame or anger. They had to let go and then embrace one another. Jesus models this truth when he hangs on the cross. Father, he says, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Not anger, not desire for revenge, not judgment. On the cross, he expresses acceptance and a letting go. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. I'm guessing for some of us, what we need to let go of to grab hold of the life Jesus offers is our anger. For others of us, it might be our shame. What do you need to let go of? Rutger needed to let go of his cynical, dark view of the world. Rutger doesn't remember how old he was when he first read the book, Lord of the Flies. Do you remember? But Rutgers remembers how much the book stuck with him. How could it not? The Lord of the Flies starts with a plane going down in the Pacific Ocean with a group of British school kids shipwrecked on an island. Kids who in time, as you know, descend into utter savagery. It's a really disturbing story that confirms or seems to confirm what we know, what we believe about human nature. Or does it? Historian Rutger Bregman wondered the same thing, and so he began some research to see if there were any real-life examples of children being stranded on an island alone. And after a while, he stumbled upon a story about six kids who were shipwrecked on an island near Tonga in the 1970s. Six boys who had survived for more than a year alone with no adults. Through articles and photos, Rutger got to know some of the kids on that island, Sion, Luke, Kolo, Tevita, Fatai, and Mano, but he also got to know the man who found the boys, Peter Warner. But this wasn't enough. Rutger wanted to talk to these kids, to this man, to, to learn how they survived their ordeal. And so he started reaching out, cold emailing people in Australia who might know Peter or the boys. And eventually he found some people who did. So he bought a ticket to Australia and sat down to talk with Peter Warner and Mano, 
one of the real-life Lord of the Flies children. Together, they told him the whole story of what happened and how they survived their time. It turns out the six kids were from a British boarding school in Nuku'alofa, the capital of Tonga. The kids were bored with school, and they wanted an adventure, so they stole a boat with the goal of sailing to New Zealand. Not the best plan. <laughs> in the first night, a storm hit them, and the storm nearly destroyed their boat. And for the next eight days, these kids drifted on the ocean without food or water. And then on the eighth day, they saw it land, a very small island made of mostly rock, Atta, an island that had not been inhabited for more than 100 years. And so the boys shipwrecked there. But instead of turning against one another like they did in Lord of the Flies, the boys started collaborating. They worked together in teams of two. Two were assigned to be on constant lookout for ships. Two were assigned to attending to the garden they had planted. And two were assigned to cooking the three meals they would have every day. That's how they worked it out. Teams of two, taking turns, doing the work. If there was a fight or a disagreement among them, which is going to happen, they had this policy where you were supposed to go to one end of the island or the other and cool off. Not a bad policy. When you had cooled off, you would come back to the center of the island and say, I'm sorry, and then move on. When Peter Warner and his crew of fishermen found the boys a year later, at first he didn't believe the story they were telling him. How could these be boys who were shipwrecked when they were in perfect condition? They had plenty of food. They had water. They had even built their own badminton court and a weight room out of stuff on the island. They were in excellent physical condition. Six teenagers alone on an island? I don't think so. Just not possible. But a call to the mainland confirmed their story. These were the missing boys. How differently will we think about ourselves and other people, friends and enemies, if instead of reading books only like Lord of the Flies, what if children around the world also learned about the time that real kids shipwrecked on a real island and survived by working together in concert? What would happen if we read both stories? Stories about our fall and stories about our rise. One last thing about Lord of the Flies, the book was published by William Golding in 1954 on the heels of World War II and the Holocaust. Not surprisingly, William Golding was a man traumatized by the Second World War, and that trauma stayed with him for years. It slipped and spilled over into the pages of his now famous book and in his classroom where he taught for years, a classroom where he pit kids against each other in the class in teams to see who would survive the best. Perhaps what we or you or me need to let go of to embrace the life Jesus offers us is a depraved view of our brothers and sisters, a depraved view of humanity, a view that limits our experience of life by seeing every protester as a looter, every cop as a killer, and every politician as a crook. Perhaps we need to let go of a cynical view of the world and ourselves and come to believe that when humans work together, with God's help, anything is actually possible. Yes, we're all sinners in need of grace, but that's only part of the story. 
we are also children of the living God, capable of extraordinary things. We are not one or the other, we are both. And I wonder if in today's passage, Jesus is offering us an invitation to embrace this complexity by obliterating the most binary of all choices, life or death. He doesn't present us a choice in this passage. He simply tells us what is true. You want to live, you have to die. You want to grab on to life, you have to be willing to let go of it. You want me to save you? You have to let me go. So I'll ask again, what do you need to let go of? What seed do you need to let fall? What are you holding on to that is preventing you from grasping with both hands the life Jesus offers? Maybe it's the belief that the impossible is just that, impossible. For example, would you believe me if I told you that O'Shea and Mary are now living next door to each other as neighbors by choice? At the conclusion of their conversation recorded on StoryCorps, Mary says something to O'Shea that seems impossible unless you've experienced life after letting go. After telling their story, Mary looks O'Shea in the eye and says, O'Shea, my natural son is no longer here. I didn't see him graduate. Now you're going to college. I'll have the chance to see you graduate. I didn't see my son get married. Hopefully one day I'll be able to experience that with you. Shea takes a deep breath and responds, just to hear you say those things, Mary, and for you to be in my life in the manner that you are, it's my motivation. You still believe in me, in the fact that you can do it despite how much pain I caused you, it's amazing. O'Shea, she says, I know it's not an easy thing to share our story together. Even with us sitting here looking at each other right now, I know this is not an easy thing. So I really admire that you can do this. I love you, lady, he says. I love you too, son. What do you need to let go of? What do you need to let die so you can embrace the life Jesus offers? Maybe for you it's anger, maybe shame. Perhaps it's a worldview or a story you are convinced is true. Maybe it's the idea that the impossible actually is just that, impossible. What do you need to let go of that is making you hard to follow the one who let go of everything so that everyone might find life in his name? Amen. Please join me in listening to the hymn, There in God's Garden, as printed in the bulletin.
are listening to the live broadcast of a worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. You have just heard this morning's sermon entitled, Letting Go, which was delivered by Reverend Derek Starr Redwine, our interim pastor. Our second hymn is, There in God's Garden, verses 1, 2, 5, and 6, which are printed in the bulletin. Please stand and join with me as we profess our faith together by reciting the affirmation of faith as printed in the bulletin. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives teaching by word and deed, and blessing the children, healing the sick, 
and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. Please be seated. Good morning and welcome again to worship at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church. A few announcements to highlight that I didn't highlight earlier. The first is the pastor hiring committee has been chosen. Thank you to all who nominated so many great names for the session to consider. It was a difficult choice to come down to just seven people. The names of those on the hiring committee are listed in your bulletin. There'll be a web page on the website that outlines the process moving forward. In a couple days, it should be up. We encourage you to visit that to learn more. But most importantly, please keep the hiring committee in your prayers as they seek to find the next pastor for Grace Covenant. Thank you again for all the submissions and for your continued support of Sessions work. Also have another prayer, two other prayer concerns to lift up for families that are grieving today. I'm sad to say that Eleanor McClanahan died Thursday evening. She was 93 years old. If you could play for Eleanor McClanahan's family as they grieve her passing. Also, please pray for the family of Whit Whitley, who died yesterday evening. Whit was 94. Families are still trying to figure out, the families of Eleanor and Witt are still trying to figure out plans for funerals. As soon as we learn things, we will let you know. But most importantly, thank you for your support of these families, but also keep them in prayer in this difficult time. In today's prayer, there's a refrain. I will say, Lord, in your mercy, please respond with, hear our prayer. Let us go to God in prayer. Let us pray. God of love, as we gather today, ever aware of your commitment to us, both as individuals and as a community of faith, we ask for your help. For your help letting go of all that keeps us from full communion with you and one another. Lord, in your mercy. God of joy, we come to you this morning with thanksgiving for all that you have done for us and for our world but we also come to you with longings that lie deep within us. Receive this morning both our praise and our cries for help. Lord, in your mercy. God of compassion, hear the cries of those who yearn for love, who have fractured families, broken homes, those who feel neglected, unwanted, 
and alone. Lord, in your mercy. God of mercy, receive our thanksgiving for all the blessings we've already experienced in our lives, blessings we've seen this week, second chances, family and friends, good health, good food, and beautiful music. Thank you for all that you give us that brings forth life. Lord, in your mercy. God of justice, hear the cries of those who yearn for justice, for those persecuted and oppressed, for those exploited, ill-treated, and broken. Lord, in your mercy. God of peace, amidst the chaos of a pandemic and social and political unrest, you are still present, providing us moments of joy and peace in all the uncertainty. Thank you for the peace that passes all understanding and for your abiding presence in all things. Lord, in your mercy. God of healing, hear the cries of those who yearn for healing this day, the physical and the spiritual. Be with those who are hurting, who are weakened and depressed. Be with families grieving or remembering a loss. Lord, in your mercy. God of hope, hear the cries of those who yearn for grace, convicted in need of your grace, contrite, humble, and bowed down, longing for a fresh start and a new beginning. Lord, in your mercy. God of love, God of joy, compassion, mercy, justice, and peace, God of healing and hope, hear this prayer, the silent prayers on our hearts this day, and the prayer Jesus taught us was enough to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. We have come to that point in our worship service and we give thanks to God for all that we've been given by offering a bit of our gifts back to God to further the work of God's church in the world. Thank you for all the ways you support the ministry and mission of Grace Covenant. Thank you for all the ways you give.
Let us pray. God of mercy and love, thank you for all your good gifts you give us this day. Use these gifts to further your kingdom of love, justice, and peace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. And as you go, may the love of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you this day and all the days to come. Amen.
For the past hour, you have been listening to the worship service at Grace Covenant Presbyterian Church in Richmond, Virginia. Please join us again next Sunday through our radio ministry or in our sanctuary at 1627 Monument Avenue. I'd also like to remind you about the Good Friday Blood Drive that will be held here at the church in the Fellowship Hall on April the 2nd between 9 a.m. and 3 p.m. Please register at redcrossblood.org for this blood drive. Your announcer today has been John Harris, and the engineer was Steve Kemp. This service streams live and can be accessed through the Grace Covenant website, which is grace-covenant.org. We now return you to the Truth Network on WLES, 590 on your AM dial and 97.7 on your FM dial.